Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, my dog, my dog yeah. is the same way. She, 
she's got to be right near me. In fact, she's sitting at my feet right now. And um, when we're at camp, she's wherever I am, she's right there. Best yeah, friend. That, well, Isaiah is right next to me right now. He <laughs> he he's just such a baby, <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> they, they they are our our dogs are so special. I've got a I've got a dog and two cats. And sometimes AJ will run in and rip my headphones off while we're doing the show, and um, you never know what's going to happen. So, anyways, um, we had a really we had a really good show on on Saturday afternoon. We talked to Una McCormick, who is the author of the new Star Trek, well, not new now, but Star Trek Discovery book, The Way to the Stars, which is the story about Tilly. She also wrote the Star Trek Picard book uh, that came out just prior to the TV show, as well as 13 other Star Trek books. She's over in the U.K., so we had a, a, a transatlantic podcast, and it was, it was a lot of fun to talk to her about how they write the book, and how the, the writers on Discovery, how they when they write their books, they have to write them to fit into the show. So when you when you read one of these books, it feels like it's part of the show. Um, and it, it was a lot of fun to talk to her, and, and we really enjoyed it. So just wanted to throw that out there if you guys want to check out that podcast. We have a great yeah. show for you guys tonight, though. Tonight... We're going to talk a little bit about Lower Decks, Episode 9, Crisis Point. And we're going to see what Leslie thought about that episode and talk a little bit about that. We also have a very special birthday today, matter of fact, to remember. And because we always seem to meander back to Planet of the Apes, we have a really special birthday talk about it goes right back to planet of the apes and after all of that we're going to talk with leslie a little bit about her career her life what what caused her to go to hollywood when the hollywood bug bit her what got her interested in working in stunts and how she ended up on star trek so all that and so much more tonight on stunt trek our phone number here is 646-668-2433. That's 646-668-2433. If you have a question or a comment for Leslie, if you want to ask her something or if you just want to call and say hello, we'll be here for another hour. 646 668 So let's just jump right in. And uh, Leslie, uh, what did you think about Star Trek Lower Decks Episode 9, The Crisis Point? Um, Actually, it was kind of interesting. Where the other ones were, I felt like a lot of quick gags. And, I mean, this still one had a lot of... Um, references and things like that, but uh, I found this one a little more serious because uh, she created a program where where she was like 
uh, well, I don't know, maybe you'll correct me on this, is that, you know, she was the villain to her mother, the evil villain, or, or, or where, where, where I feel like she's blamed a lot on her mother, um, I think this episode kind of, um, how do I say it, made her realize that maybe, you know, maybe the mother-daughter situation is like a 50-50 problem. I don't know how you, how you felt about really it. it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it uh, completely. Um, he doesn't have it. I I thought that it was really good, and I, I liked the way they they made well, they didn't make fun, but they they pulled a lot out of all of the Star Trek movies. Like um, she was playing kind of like a con type of villain. She made comments about about fighting on a rickety bridge, which was Kirk in in Star Trek Generations. The credits were kind of Star Trek two ish at the beginning of the episode at the end they had the signatures go by on the screen like star trek six she crashes in a um a photon tube and jumps out to get her revenge like in star trek three um and there was a lot of a lot of gags and a lot of, of things references to all the movies in this one this was really heavy on movie references there's even one scene where they jump in a shuttle and they fly around the Cerritos like Captain Kirk did with the Enterprise in Star Trek The Motion Picture. They even get the lens flares in there from J.J.'s Star Trek. So I really enjoyed this episode. I really loved it. Yeah, well, I, that's interesting because I also felt, like you say, I, I felt uh, it was like um, the alternate universe that was in Deep Space Nine, you know, like the evil Kira. Right. Exactly. As you stated at the beginning, I think it was it was great that we got to see uh, um, the real Mariner, who, who was the bad guy in the holodeck story, fighting the holodeck version of Mariner, who ends up being the good guy in the story. And she learns she learns about herself through the holodeck version of herself. Right. Well, that's what I was saying is that I I feel like uh, the earlier episodes um, I I felt that she blamed a lot of you know she she felt what she did was okay I'll say in the earlier episodes and I think finally in this episode. Um, I think she came to the realization that, uh, well, like I say, I'll, I'll say that it was 50-50 as opposed to, you know, 100% that it's all her mother's fault. So it was, so it was very interesting. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I, I agree. I, what, I liked it. Yeah, I'm curious what the which way the last episode's going to go now. Yeah, we we have one more episode, which will be Thursday night, and uh, then we go right into Star Trek Discovery, 
without without even a break, we go from from lower decks right into discovery. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, you know, it's it's still like I say, I've been I've been looking at the different I'll call it entertainment or actor pages on Facebook. Um I mean, it seems like they're they're filming some in New York, they're filming some in California, but but I just have not heard of any you know, and now I'm talking strictly Star Trek. I have just not heard or read anything about filming Picard or or even you know the whole thing with Discovery. But but I think you said that they had filmed. Well, did you say that they had filmed all the episodes or most of the episodes? Yeah, they they were they're completely finished before COVID. Yeah. Oh, they <laughs> they were very lucky that they did that then. Yeah. I'll tell you the weirdest. Oh, I was going to say I was I was about to jump storylines here. The the weirdest thing is I read an article that um, Seth Seth MacFarlane is done with the Oroville. He doesn't want to do it anymore. He wants to move on to other projects. But yet on Doug Drexler's uh, page, he's talking about uh, the Oroville. Or or maybe there was even another article about the the Oroville. And so now, (laughs) like you say, depending on which news company or which article you read, you you don't know what's going on. You know, is it that they're not doing it? Is it that they are doing it? I mean, nobody nobody seems to know what they're doing. And I'll tell you is that I'll, a lot of uh, I, I won't. It's actors in general. I'm not really talking about like the big name actors, but actors in general are are still very scared to go back to work because because they don't think uh the um the what should i call it the precautions or or are are really there yet i mean and and so so there 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 are some actors out there that uh even if they got a call they they they're afraid to go back to work well, I, I mean, I have you heard know, that that's, that's, go ahead. The Orville had started filming, and I, I read an article with Seth MacFarlane that said it's going to be weird when they get back because right in the middle of a scene, all of a sudden the character gained ten pounds and has facial hair when when three seconds earlier they didn't because there's so much time lag between when they had to stop filming and when they're able to start back up again. So I know that part of the Orville had already been starting to film prior to this COVID shutdown. Now, whether or not Seth MacFarlane has left the project or whether he's going to come back after the COVID when they start filming, I don't know. Yeah, I don't 
again, I think there's just too many rumors. There's too many magazines and and uh, new whatever you want to call that. Too many, too many news cast or call themselves, I'll say, industry news sources and and like I say you, you read one news source and it says this is happening and you read another news source and it says this is absolutely not happening <laughs> yeah I, I don't I, know that's a good question I, I don't know I, I don't know I, I, I know that yeah. um, Star Trek Discovery has started filming season 4 up in Toronto, uh, there was a post on uh, on Instagram about that. Um, so, oh, whether or not I, they already well, I have say, I, I have, st- I haven't been able to come across uh, an article that has said uh, that they're filming in Canada or they're filming Discovery in Canada. So, yeah, no, that that's. Absolutely uh, new to me because I just haven't seen an article on it. Yeah, Canada is uh, is different than the U.S. I guess. I know Picard is filmed in California, uh, yeah, Los well, Angeles, it, but it's it's two different unions. But but you know you still. I mean, Star Trek is Star Trek, so yeah. <laughs> whether it's in filmed in the United States or filmed in Canada, you know, you, you, uh, I'll say it isn't. In other words, they're not not necessarily talking about any movie, whether it's filming or not. You know, usually it's an article specifically about Star Trek and. And like I say, I just I haven't seen one that that has said you know Discovery is now filming uh, a fourth a fourth year. I mean, I just I I don't know. I'll I gotta admit that uh, there were there were times that I thought times were tough during the years that I was being a stunt woman, but boy, am I glad that. That I'm out of the business in 2020. I mean, this this is this has just been totally unbelievable. It's it's been longer than uh, any strike that we've had, you know, over a contract. And and like I say, it's it's your health. I mean, uh, well, I, when when I was working. The big thing that I used to say was, uh, no life is worth a piece of film. In other words, if the stun is so dangerous, you don't do it because you'd rather be alive than than <laughs> killed for a piece of film. And and now with this uh, virus, I mean, it's. Uh, I I I don't know. You know, some people get it and they get over it and they get better and some people get it and more than likely due to uh you know, uh, well, I won't say a 
secondary, but that they had a primary uh, health condition. I mean, the virus will kill you. Exactly. That's what makes it so dangerous. You just don't know how it's going to react to certain people. So, like Patrick Stewart, for instance. You know, I, I would think at his age that if he were exposed to it while while filming Star Trek, it could be fatal for him. So I can oh oh yeah, that. I mean due to his age, I mean it, actually he's been working a lot, but but due due to his age, if he were to get the virus, um, he's, he's right. in that category that that yeah it could kill him. Yeah, so I don't know what's going to happen with season two of Picard. I know uh, Kurtzman said they have all the scripts already done and written, so uh, they're just waiting for the for the okay to start filming them. So it's just a matter of of waiting. We'll have to see what yeah. happens. But on another note, we always seem to end up meandering back to the planet of the apes. Now, speaking of Planet of the Apes, do you know whose birthday it would have been today that we're going to remember? Well, isn't it Charlton Heston's birthday? Or? Did you ask Leslie about her watching her movies? Did she do that? Charlton Heston, that's right. You damn dirty ape. <laughs> yeah. So. You yeah, damn so, dirty apes. <laughs> damn dirty apes. <laughs> no. So, um, Karen, Karen just walked in the room and, and wanted me to ask you a question, <laughs> if you don't mind. Um, we were up at camp over the weekend, and uh, we always watch horror movies during Halloween because that's when you watch horror movies. Uh, so, what comes on? What Nightmare on Elm Street? Karen looks at me and says. Does Leslie watch Nightmare on Elm Street when it's on TV? And I said, I really don't know. I'm going to ask her. So that's what Karen wanted to know. When Nightmare on Elm Street is on TV, do you watch it? Oops. Uh, no, I didn't know it was on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what what, what but, channel was it on? I don't know. We were we were up in we were up in at camp, so we were up in New York. Um, but when it's on, do do you watch it when it's on TV? Do you watch yourself in movies? Uh, if if I happen to know that it's going to be on, um, yeah, I would I would watch it. But uh, you know, I, I know as we get closer to uh, the end of October, they're going to start. Showing horror films after horror films, so so you know I'm sure I'll find out about it, <laughs> or I'll find out that it's on, and I'll go ahead and watch it then. And what is it like when you see yourself show up on TV like that? So what is it? Um, it's. I don't know. It's 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 kind of bittersweet because you know you, you want to 
You want to still be doing uh, stunt work, but I know that I that I really can't anymore. Uh, when I when I see myself on television, um, it just it makes me happy. I, I I'm I'm there. I'm <laughs> you know it's it's like uh, boy, like I say, I don't want to blow my own horn, but it, you know it's like I'm always going to be there. There's going to be some show, whether television, whether movie, that that. I'm a, I'm a part of it. I I forget who I was just speaking to on the phone, and and they asked me, um, you know what what my what I did in my or what my career was, and when I said stunt woman, they said, yeah, well, it's it's a normal conversation. They say, wow, you know, have you been in any movies that I've seen? And and then I always say, well, are you talking, do you like comedy or do you like horror? You know, I, I try to, as opposed to just start naming off things, you know, I just go for that and, and it, you know, if they say both or if they say one or the other, I'll say, well, have you ever seen the original Nightmare on Elm Street? And and I describe the scene, and they go, oh yeah, yeah, I've, oh that was, you know, that was scary. That when his voice came out of your mouth, <laughs> or or you know, I'll say Naked Gun with Leslie Nielsen, the original, you know that. Remember the queen going down the banquet table with her legs up in the air and oh <laughs> was that you so so there there's well i unfortunately uh, it wasn't necessarily of my choosing but i don't have any children i'm i'm not leaving anything behind when when i go to the great screen silver screen in the sky <laughs> so so i guess i guess my movies and my television shows shows that i've been in is is a part of me that's being left here boy that sounds that's sad <laughs> yeah that was like... <laughs> let me let me ask you uh, another question when you're watching, let's talk about Nightmare on Elm Street because I think Nightmare on Elm Street is going to be is going to be the Leslie Hoffman thing. Um, amongst all the other things that you've done, I think Nightmare on Elm Street. I think it's safe to say that Nightmare on Elm Street is the biggest one. Would Would you agree with that? Okay, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. I, I I would say that's probably. I think. That I'm not sure if I heard your question, but I would think that's the most memorable stunt or piece that I did. Um, I mean, even if someone isn't into horror, but they maybe saw the movie once, you know, it, it's a scene that that uh, people definitely remember. So, Leslie. When you watch A Nightmare on Elm Street, having been in the movie yourself, 
having worn the sweater, having worn the glove, having been on the set, are you able to watch the movie uh, or does you get pulled out of the movie because you know how it was all set up and how it was filmed? Does that affect your enjoyment of the film? Okay, like I say, I'm trying to read what you're saying on the phone. Um, how does it... Oh, 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 okay. Um, well, this is true about anybody that that I knew as a stunt person, is that, you know, I could be watching a television show or movie, and and I'm into the story, but then let's say Tom walks into the room or I walk into the room and suddenly you get pulled out of the story because you go, wait a minute, that's Tom. You know, okay, there's going to be a stunt. I don't know how soon it's going to be happening, but he wouldn't be in that room. He wouldn't be in that scene unless someone's going to get shot, punched, whatever. So, so, so it is kind of interesting when I, when I watch television shows, if I recognize, you know, a stunt person. But. You know, it's it. Um, I don't know. <laughs> well, I say that it it's uh, for me actually watching Star Trek is even a little more interesting because looking through the alien makeup and seeing which stunt person it is, whether it's Tom or Dennis or, you know, another stunt man. <laughs> you know, it's like I I mean it's one thing to to for people to go, well, you know, I don't I don't think people watch um let's say Deep Space Nine and and look at General Martok and go, oh, that's J.G. Hertzler. You know, the, the, I don't think, I think most people just watch the episode and watch, watch the characters go through the storyline. And I don't know, when, when I watch Star Trek, you know, if I see Goldicott, you know, I, I, in my mind I'm also going, Oh, that's, you know, Mark Alamo. Yeah, we've been on the set together or, you know, we've been to parties together and um so it's I don't know. It's it it's different but it's still enjoyable. Cool. That that that's good to hear. So, why don't we talk a little bit about what got you into stunt work and how you ended up on Star Trek? Well, like your early career. Um, yeah, now that that's really interesting because well, I my whole life I knew I was going to be in the entertainment industry. Um and when I graduated high school, uh I went out to California specifically. Well, at first I thought I was going to be an actress about Somewhere between 11th and 12th grade, I learned about stunt work, 
And so so when I graduated high school, I went out to California specifically to become a, a stunt woman. And uh, I found this little gym where other would be, in other words, we weren't members of the Screen Actors Guild yet. Uh, we we would practice stunt work and and uh, again, uh, you know, it's all connected. This is where I met Dennis Madelone and Tom Morga is in like 1976, 75, 76 is is when we first met each other. I mean, and and you know, Star Trek. You're talking about. Uh, well, I wasn't. I was back in New York for Next Generation, so I didn't get back to California till the 1990s. But uh, um, you know, here here are these would-be stunt people practicing high falls and fights and things like that, and and then uh, I'll I'll say 15 years later. The guys are doing Next Generation, and then 20 years later, when I come back out from New York, uh, Dennis, you know, called me and wanted me to work on the set. And I, I, I had done movies at, at Paramount. I mean, it isn't like I'm not used to walking on Paramount. Uh, studio or pictures or you know driving onto the lot we did clue on on uh on at paramount um you know so but but it was it truly was an extra thrill i mean growing up watching original star trek uh you dream you dream that you could have been around when they were making Star Trek and could have been on Star Trek. But uh, for Dennis to call me and uh, to work on Deep Space Nine, I mean, like I say, yeah, I've walked on the lot before with my stunt bag, and and you just know you're going to work. But, but that first day that I was on the lot walking to the sound stage to be on Star Trek was almost like well I, I could compare it to the first day of doing my first union stunt which which was a two minute warning and I think that's like 78 or 79 now we're talking about I think 1993 or 4 I mean it was it was the same exact feeling. I mean it just it was like I can't believe that I'm walking onto a Star Trek set. That must have been awesome. Oh, it it, it really was. And and um there was for a while there was an executive producer named David Livingston and you know it's like uh, well now I'm talking after working for a while um the episode where the Vedic hung herself in protest of uh, uh of the Cardassians you know evil must be opposed 
uh, <laughs> is what she said before before she jumped. <laughs> but uh, um, it was really funny because David was actually walking towards the production company, and I was walking towards the soundstage, and we met, and, and we were talking for a while, and I said, uh, for some reason, I well, I knew what the stunt was, is that she was going to hang herself. And I was saying to David, you know, usually on most of the Star Trek episodes, um, they try to tell you that you need to live, you know, that, that that you don't commit suicide or you don't kill yourself. You you try to live that that you can overcome the bad guys and and David was agreeing with me. I guess he hadn't read the script so he didn't know that this this character was gonna commit suicide and and he was kinda of shocked. But but wow. that's it is that yeah, so so it's interesting because I I would say more than a majority of the production company slash crew. I'm not talking about the actors uh, or the stunt people. I'm talking about the production people. Loved Star Trek and and you know knew the history of Star Trek. You know, I don't even want to say canon, is that uh, we just knew what the original Star Trek was trying to tell people. And so, you know, going on to Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, um, you know, we we just had... uh, a certain feeling about things. Uh, the only other thing that I think I've told you in the past is, is you know, a script would have something a little straight. Well, um, the <laughs> covenant when Goldicott had his own religion, and uh, he wanted to send this. He got this uh, Bajoran pregnant. And and she was going to tell the truth that the baby wasn't this miracle half Cardassian, half uh, Bajoran baby that you know she had had sex with Galdicott and he puts her in an airlock and opens it up and you know he's trying to suck her out into space. Well, he leaves. I mean, he presses the button and leaves. And and I'm her stunt double, and, you know, the door, the outside door starts opening up, and she had a scarf around her neck, and the scarf comes off and goes out through the door. <laughs> and I said to one of the production people, uh, you know, if you open a door out into space, uh, wouldn't your whole body get sucked out? You know, it's not just a scarf. <laughs> And they, they used to go, shut up. <laughs> you know, it's that's what the script says. <laughs> but but they would be agreeing with me. Is that like I say? If you if you opened an airlock to the outside, I, even the slightest crack, um, whatever's in the airlock would just get sucked right through. So so you know we would 
we would recognize these minor details, but <laughs> I guess we would laugh about it or 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 like you say, if you question it, it was don't talk about it. <laughs> this is what the script said, you know, live with it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I say well. Another another episode is uh, is blood fever. Like you say, for the life of me, I can't imagine a person rappelling down the side of the cliff, and then this guy's rope breaks or whatever happened to Neelix's rope. That why would Torres let go of her rope with both hands trying to catch him? I mean, I could understand. If he fell and knocked into her or knocked her off her rope, but I was told to let go of the rope and and reach out towards him. And it's like you say, it's like if if you were repelling for real. I'm not even talking about the the script now. I'm talking about if two people were on the cliff and and someone started falling. You wouldn't like you would not let go of your rope to try to catch somebody because what's holding you up? I mean, it's almost a, a Looney Tune thing where where you're on the wrong side of the branch of a tree and you're you're sawing the branch. You don't, you know, yeah, <laughs> doesn't exactly doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it definitely doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's there, um, I'm trying to think if there's any other stunt that sort of didn't make any sense, but you lived with it. But I, I don't know. I, or at least for me, I think those were, those were the really weird ones. The, you know, like why would you do that? So, but what uh, we, do you do you actually? remember the very, very first day that you stepped on the set to work on Star Trek and what the very first thing you remember when you walked on the set was? Well, you, you, yeah, I guess I, I remember. I mean, well, the, the, the reason I remember, and actually someone – some actress did do an article or or talked about this a little bit is um you know so you walk on the set and and they tell you to go to wardrobe and you know and and your your dressing room is over here and all that and i went i, I i'll say that that i'm well endowed to begin with I don't need a padded bra or underwire or anything like that. And the absolutely prerequisite of of a woman on Star Trek is an underwire bra. So, you know, like I say, Dennis and Tom have known me for since the 70s, and, and they put these... They put me in this underwire bra that just makes me stick out even farther. <laughs> I walked on the set, and <laughs> you should have seen the eyeballs pop out of out of their heads. It's like, whoa. <laughs> you know? I, I, I don't think they meant it like, 
hey, baby, I want to jump on you or anything like that. It was like, holy schmoly, Leslie, your breasts are <laughs> really sticking out here. <laughs> Leslie, that's, why? That's what why I remember about the first day. What, what's the purpose for that on Star Trek? Is that only with the women? Or do they do they do well, the same thing with the men? Yeah, it, 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 uh, I I don't remember which actress did this article, but it's yeah they wanted women to look beautiful, and I guess women looking beautiful is having a a, a big rack. <laughs> Excuse my language, but uh, so um, well no, it's the opposite with the men. Um, well, so, so yeah, I mean, they want women on Star Trek to have huge knockers, breasts, whatever you want to call it. Men, uh, I've told you this, this story before, is, uh, there, there was this, uh, stuntman that worked one day, because it was supposed to only be one day, except they went too long, and he was supposed to come back the next day, except he couldn't come back the next day. Now, he was an alien, so so Dennis could hire somebody else and put them in the alien makeup, and probably no one would notice that it was a different person on the second day. And there was a stuntman on the set who who said, Oh, Dennis, you know, I could work tomorrow. And Dennis said... Or no, the wardrobe lady said, if you can fit in the wardrobe, you know, I'll let Dennis hire you. And and, and he was he was bigger size than than the stuntman that had worked that first day. And he comes on the set, and the pants are really tight, and <laughs> he he had a bald showing. And I just remember this wardrobe lady saying, uh, aliens do not have genitals. <laughs> and I just thought that was that was the best line in the world. So so no, it's the opposite with guys. Guys have to wear those I there it's some kind of dancer's male dancer's girdle that just kind of flattens you. So women women have huge breasts and men are are Ken dolls, you know, like in Ken and Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no men men are not supposed to have bulges. <laughs> <laughs> well the things you learn on this show, you never know. So did they make you wear that, that that underwire bra the whole time you worked, even when you were doing stunts? Okay, the whole time? I only got half the. Well, the the all the clothes came from wardrobe, so so yes, they would have an underwire bra for me any time I was doing the show. I mean, even when I was doubling Torres, uh, you know, even on Voyager, there there was an underwire bra. It, it may have even had my name in it, you know. It, it might have been the same one, but uh, 
actually that I don't remember anymore but but yeah no any any time I was working on Star Trek um you know I <laughs> boy we're we're getting into personal clothes now is that I was not allowed to wear my own bra which which is a soft bra you know it's a more natural looking bra but uh no on star trek it definitely was underwire and believe me you stuck out <laughs> and that was for that was for everybody like like Kate Mulgrew and, and uh all of them or or just the oh everybody the people? oh like, no no uh, no Carrie Farrell every, every, uh, Gary every Ryan woman. Every woman had something that would push her breasts up and out. I mean, it, it, it that that was uh, well, I want to say a wardrobe code, but obviously it was the producers decided that women had to have uh, <laughs> had to be well endowed. Well, that seems that seems awful sexist for Star Trek, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, um, I think you've read about Jerry Ryan. I mean, in in the Seven of Nine suit. I mean, besides that, it would rip all the time. But but you know, she was in this uh, whalebone corset. I mean, so not only was her rib cage being sucked in. I mean, you know, she had these huge breasts. <laughs> All you have to do is look at a picture of Seven of Nine, and, you know, she had these huge breasts. I mean, she doesn't... And in fact, I think in Picard, you can you can sort of tell the difference. I mean, she's still... Well endowed, but but I don't think she looks like like the upper part of Seven of Nine. I mean, she looks a, a lot more human in uh, uh, in Picard. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. Yeah, but like you say, Seven of Nine is a, is a whole other story. Yeah, yeah. I, I, seven of nine, for me, uh, saved Voyager. Seven of nine, the holographic Doctor, and not because seven of nine. See, I didn't. I liked seven of nine because I thought the character was fascinating. I mean, a Borg that's that's now becoming human. I found that whole aspect of her regaining her humanity to be absolutely riveting, and I and I loved it. You know, and and. I don't think it would have really mattered whether she was wearing a sexy cat suit or not because I really wasn't looking at her that way. I was looking at her as a as a character on the show that I enjoyed. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, well Can I say that it was meant to attract the male population to watch the show? <laughs> yeah, that that's what that's what Will Wheaton said, that they were it was to attract the teenagers. Yeah. I mean even original Star Trek, um I don't know 
well, I'm, I would have to look at all the different pictures, but uh, I mean, some of, some of the costumes were were pretty revealing for the '60s. I mean, yeah, um, yes, they were. You know, like Mud's woman, there was that one costume that had the the slice just below the breast. I mean that that was daring back then. Or or uh um the I don't know what she was, an android robot, the the one um the one that had lurch in it. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. What our little girl The girl had of. like this crisscross top. Uh or at least that's what I'm you know, like you say, it was it was like it was like a piece of cloth that just went from one shoulder down to the waist and the other shoulder down to the waist. I mean again, absolutely daring for the sixties. I mean I I, I wonder I've never really read a story about it, but I wonder if uh, some of the costumes were were restricted or no, no, you know, you gotta put an extra piece of cloth here or something like that. Yeah, and again, I, I, I mean, they got away with the Orion girl in the pilot, which became uh, the Menagerie, and and that was a pretty sexy costume. You know the True. Orion, the Green Orion slave. That was that was pretty sexy. Actually, I, yeah, I, I think, now I'm I think curious to go back to see if they fiction. show the belly button because that was the time period that uh, I Dream of Jeannie couldn't show her belly button. Yeah, that's. I, I think they. I think they might have. Off the top of my head, I can't say for sure, but I think they may, because she was painted green. Yeah. Oh, so. do, you, do you know that story? Uh, I mean, I don't know if every anybody or everybody knows the story, is that they painted her green, and they sent the film off to the lab, I guess, without telling them that, that she was supposed to be green and and the lab that was developing the film thought there was something wrong with the film so they tried color correcting the green back to a tan color woman (laughs) 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 so so they kept ruining the film you know (laughs) I mean finally finally they were told, no, she's supposed to be green. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, Leslie, take a look at your clock. Wow. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it. an hour has flown by, and uh going to be an interesting week for me next week, but uh, hopefully I'll be back next Sunday. Yes, everybody uh, needs to send prayers and, and good wishes Leslie's way. Uh, you can head over to the Leslie Hoffman Appreciation Organization Facebook page and just 
just let Leslie know you're thinking of her and wish her all the best. Um, she's going to need all the support we can give her. So please do yeah, that. I mean, I, I really haven't said it, but um, I'm having surgery tomorrow, and hopefully things will go smoothly. And like I say, I, I, I may be a little sore next Sunday, but hopefully I'll be back. Yes, we 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 will keep you guys informed. Um, make sure that Leslie's okay, but I'm sure I'm sure that she'll be back with us on Sunday night, same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, anyways, I want to say thank you, Leslie, for for uh, spending an hour and chatting with us tonight. Oh, I always love talking about this. It, like you say, I look forward to Sunday. It's always, and we we got our Planet of the Apes in tonight since it was would have been Charlton Heston's birthday, so that's good. Got to get Oops. that in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I got to fit so, in. I'm I'm one of these people that I I pack the suitcase like right before I go out the door because because it always seems like you, and then you need it before you before you're leaving. So so I still have to get ready for tomorrow morning. Uh, to travel down to Albany, but uh, so please everybody anyways. head on over to the Leslie Hoffman Appreciation Organization Facebook page and uh, just say hello to Leslie and send her some some good wishes and send some good vibes her way if you guys don't mind. We'll be back again next week, same bat time, same bat channel. I don't know what we'll talk about, but it'll be interesting as always. Uh, make sure you guys check out Trek Talking on Thursday night. And we're going to be talking about the finale of Lower Decks. And on Saturday, we had the pleasure of talking to Una McCormick, the author of the Star Trek Discovery book, Way to the Stars, which was the story of Tilly. And it was a great interview. She was a great lady. So you can head over to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond, all spelled out. And uh, give a listen to that interview. We're going to have her back on uh, the end of October, maybe mid-November sometime. She has a new book coming out called The Autobiography of Catherine Janeway. So we're interested in that as well. And I guess that wraps everything up, Leslie. Oh, yeah, no, the hour flew by. It always, always does. So I want to say good night and thank you to everybody listening around the globe. We really appreciate it. And uh, please, everybody, be good to each other and stay safe. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Bye. Let's see what's out there. Engage. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.